Hi everyone, welcome to the Money Wisdom Podcast. Thank you for joining us and today we are very honoured and very happy to have my colleague as well as the founder, editor and everything uh, of Investment Modes, Keith. So Keith is one of the, I would say, original um, blogger in the financial space. I think Keith, you started blogging since more than a decade ago. Yeah, about 2005 like that. Wow, 2005. Uh, that makes it how many years? 15, 18 years? Uh, almost 18 oh years. My. Uh, those people that you, whom you have blogged with since 2005, uh, how many of them are still around today? I cannot remember. <laughs> not many, la. not many, right? Uh, not many, not many. Some, mo- most of them are more passive nowadays. Right? Okay, yeah. okay. So, I mean, the story of, of Keith with Provident, um, sometimes I do get people asking me, how on earth you know, did you get Keith to join us? So, I mean, Keith's background, for those of us who do not know, uh, Keith was from the IT industry. And I used to read, or not I used to read, la. I still read his uh, blog. <laughs> Uh, and those of us who has read his blog or still reading his blog, you will know that Keith's blog is very different from most of the financial blogs out there. It is very long. It is very detailed. Okay, it is technical. And it's really for people who are, are serious about um, not just doing investments, but wealth planning. And many of the readers have benefited. And so have I. So uh, some years back, uh, I thought I should just ask Keith to you know, see whether... Uh, he wants to join us. You know, since he likes to do this, he's obviously good at uh, these things instead of wasting his talent in the <laughs> IT industry. So I asked Keith whether he wants to join us and he said yes. And that's how Keith ended up with uh, Provident as a senior solutions uh, specialist. Right? But he continues to write his blog and uh, bless many of his readers. So Keith, once again, uh, welcome to the Money Wisdom Podcast. Hey, Chris, thanks for the invite. And thanks for recruiting me as well. Okay, <laughs> I'm glad you say that. Uh, you don't have to say that mm. as a start. Uh, the first question that I have for you is, can you share some of the money beliefs you uh, grew up with? I'm not sure whether you have written about this, you know, and I'm not sure how many of your readers know about your background, the family that you uh, come from. You obviously didn't come from a very well-to-do family. And uh, as you grew up, I'm sure your late parents would have uh, imparted to you and you have picked up along the way some money beliefs. Maybe you'd like to share that with all of us. Okay, uh, I'm going to try to make this as succinct as possible uh, because uh, we don't want to go into all the backstories <laughs> in the podcast. So um, my dad, dad came from China. Okay. Uh, okay. Came from China a long, long time ago. Your dad? Yeah. Oh, not even your grandfather. Your father came from China. Yeah. So oh. he came, they, they have three brothers. So. My father is the youngest, so he came with the, the, the second oldest brother, come, o- come over to Singapore, leaving the, the, the elders over there. La. Mm. Usually that's the case. Mm. So um, if you look at my hairstyle, which is like a little bit like a chicken little hairstyle, right? that's how we, we still have a photo of, of, of them coming over and that's the same, same, same hairstyle. Your hairstyle wasn't like that when you were younger. Uh, no, la, confirm, com- confirm not. Yeah, la. quite different. So now yeah. you adjusted your hairstyle to reflect your ancestors. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit about that. It's okay. a bit about that. Okay, yeah, so that's, sorry that's I interrupted you. So your father came from China. Well, which part of China? Came from, I think, the Teochew, the Teochew area, the Santo area. Oh, I see. So he's yeah. a Teochew. Yes, he's and a Teochew. And you are Teochew. Yeah, I'm Teochew. And you can't speak Teochew. I cannot speak Teochew. Oh my, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. Okay, so your father came from uh, China. Okay, and, and brought along, I, I suppose, his money beliefs and all that. Yeah, carry on, share with us. He, 
not so much uh, like like what our our money beliefs is usually like what as a kid what we observe from our parents and and along the way whether there's any traumatic uh experience that 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 gives us certain lessons that sticks with us for for a long time so so my dad came from china eventually his families i think settled somewhere in angmokyo and so uh, they do a lot of pig farming and, and all that. Eventually, oh. he became, I think, a, a, a contractor. So contractor for, for as in those renovation contractor? Renovation con, con, okay. con, con, contractor. So that was probably in the, maybe the 19, 1980s or so, where, where uh, I am I, I, I'm, I'm a 1980s kid. La. So, so, so that's where, where I became conscious about um, most of the things that, that, that is hap- happening. I would like to tell, tell people that there is only I only remember things five years and 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 onwards. Anything before five years, I don't remember. Five years meaning to say, go back five years, you can remember those things. Like four years old, three years old, oh, I cannot remember. Oh, what I see, was I see. Okay, now. yeah, okay. But I mean, contractor, right? Renovation contractor. Mm. A lot of us have this idea that renovation contractor they actually do quite well financially. They actually make quite a bit of money. That's not the case with your father. No, that's not the case. And did he do this? You know, uh, all the way he was a, a, a contractor throughout his life until, of course, he couldn't and he retired. La. I think they, they try to pivot. La. They try to pivot la, to, to make, make ends meet. meet. So, so uh, I think along the way, they were like doing all those kind of like pig farming and all those things. And obviously, I think that, that don't work out uh, in when, when it transits to, to more of the modern days. Mm. So, so even contracting is not like he's the main contractor. Usually how it works is oh, that he's a subcon. He's a subcon. Mm. There's a main con and then they, 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 they put in the parcels of this and then they, they, they give them. So, mm. so thankfully for a large part of, of his career as a contractor, right, there, there are jobs around. Mm. So then my mom, my mom is born in Singapore. Mm. So my, my grandfather and my grand, grandmother on, on, on the side, they are more of those uh, food sellers. So uh, I remember that my, my grandma, she sells mi jiam kueh. Oh. But we don't know how to make mi jiam kueh. <laughs> no, nowadays. You didn't pick up anything from your grandparents and you didn't pick up anything from your mm. parents. You don't know how to speak Teochew and you don't know how to make pancakes. Yes, that's a that's a good way to embarrass okay. me on the podcast. So, so what did you pick up from them? At least you must pick up something from them about the way they manage money. I'm sure they have, they were very thrifty because they were poor, right? For what I remember, right, like when the two of them got married, and when the two of them, my my dad and my mom got married, right, they eventually moved into a three room flat in Yishun. Mm. So that cost like about twenty nine thousand dollars. $9,000 looks like very little right now, but back then I think- It's big money. It's big money for yeah. them, for my mom and, dad and my dad. And so inside our house, right, we don't have anything. Okay, so, so I, I can still vaguely remember that we don't have anything. And then everything is like piece by piece. Mm. So it's very different from um, a lot of uh, my peers today where, where, where everything, where, where, where it comes to renovation, you need a, sum of money for that and mm. furnishing everything needs to put together so so throughout throughout my younger younger years right, everything was tight you, I, I wouldn't say that i go hungry or something but mm. everything was tight and mm. when everything is tight right it it kind of drives home home the point hey, money you have to be more careful. be careful yeah 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 and and i think i think Throughout, throughout that period, it was quite okay. Until mm. I think maybe 
somewhere I think during 1997, 1998, mm. we decided to, I think my, my dad decided to, my mom and dad decided to get a flat uh, in Sengkang area. Sort of like a BTO. B- BTO. Those days, those days wasn't before called BTO. BTO la. La. Before yeah, BTO. Yeah, but it's a brand new flat. La. Yeah. So they make some money la, in the switch, la, I suppose. I think they didn't because during that period, like like we sold somewhere in 1997, mm. like about that 29,000 uh, uh, house, we sold it for 137,000. Okay. So when we bought the place, the five room one, it cost $265,000. Okay. okay. So um, definitely you have to top up. And, and we took a loan. Uh, I think my parents took a loan about $67,000. $67, because my dad is a contractor, right? So he took some time to actually renovate his place. But after he renovated his place, right? After that, right? The whole industry just go, go, go to shit. Lah. So basically there's no job anymore. And from that point onwards, he didn't, he didn't have a job or all, all this while. And then you were still young? I was around JC2. I was okay. around JC two, so I almost finishing JC two. Mm. So I came, I I I I I went to the army. Mm. Uh, not sign, not sign on, but yeah. like a norm, normal uh. normal mm. normal NS. And so with your brother, your, with, your brother was older. My brother is one year one year older. Okay. So so I look at the situation like that, and I was like, uh, I think maybe I need to help out a bit, lah. So from that point onwards, like I don't take any pocket money from them. From NS days, huh? For NS days, uh, NS you still have allowance. Uh. The tough one was actually like university because we didn't get a loan, we didn't get a tuition loan. They still pay for it, but we I know kind of thing that money is tight uh. So 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 you just try to figure out your your own. You take part time jobs, do those kind of like night jobs, three mm. days night jobs, until very tired. That like you still 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 go go to study. So everything like kind of the the main the main thing I think it rubs off this whole experience is that when you're trying to control your money, right, it, it tends to be like very tight. Mm. So you kind of know that actually you come comes from instead that money from an abundance kind of mindset, but mm. it's more like a thrifty kind of mindset. So it rubs off on me, even today. You, you look at my thinking and a lot of my readers will kind of like, like they, they will detect la, like majority of my plans or, or how I write. You can detect a lot of conservatism, whether it's mm. investing and and whether in my in the planning advice that I give give, give people. So so I mean you said you you uh, did part time job. So you really started working during your university. Yes. yes. What kind of jobs did you do? Wow. Okay. Uh, I try to get tuition gigs, uh, but cannot uh. a- a- Actually, I also have reservations about that because like. Yeah, sometimes uh, I want to give tuition, people say, Pure high runner. Correct, correct. <laughs> correct, correct, right. But you got to start somewhere, but that opportunity didn't come. So, so uh, I think I managed to link up with, with uh, this, this job agency called Kelly Services. Oh, Back yeah. then, I think if you want to find jobs, right, you go to International Plaza, right, right, right. which is not too far away from yeah. here. So this, this agent right, is focused on the financial services. So there's a lot of those kind of odd jobs that you require. So... Uh, I did a three three day twelve hour shift about like moving, like printing papers mm. every time. You know that back in those days, right? If you have credit card statements, right, they will print it out and then you you receive the credit card statements how much you owe, right? 
every month end right there is there's a printer that you need need, need to print 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 one batch so i am one of those people that that did those jobs uh. so those are one of the jobs any any like hard labor jobs or anything that one is hard labor already. Oh. Each box is like 20, 20, 20, oh, okay. 20 kg already. Okay. And, and usually at night, right? Yeah, you, you, usually Because you have to study in, in the university yeah. in the, during the daytime. Right? But it's kind of nice uh, because you just do three days and then the rest is okay. But the tough thing is, I think I made like about $220 a month. For, yeah, for, for that period. Okay. So, so that yeah. one... It's not a lot, but then for uni student, if you... If you you are very very thrifty, uh, you mm. probably scrape through, la, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. So those were the really tough days, and I guess it has helped you to, in a way, become who you are uh, today, la, Because we all know you are very thrifty, right? So I suppose when your dad first had that house at Amokyo and there was nothing, uh, he had to find ways to fill it up with furnitures. Mm. He probably got a lot of secondhand stuff. He probably bought got things and then he repaired it, you know oh, things like um, that. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's why he. I mean, he, he he had to do that, right? We slept a lot of things together, like like you you have those woods and you 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 learn to make like chairs or tables right, right. out out of it. The the plants outside they yeah. need something to stand on. Like he built it up. Well, that one was imp- that one I I remember was was in, impressive like, because mm. because that one is really wood woodworking like. and mo- majority I think he learned learn himself so mm. yeah but so in that sense okay like you did pick up something yeah. from your parents right because uh, for those of us in the office we can see how you recycle things yeah. right? a lot of things that uh, most of us would have just uh, thrown it away you manage to recycle them and yeah. you can still uh, use it you share your expenses very freely on your blog I don't know how you survive with twenty one thousand dollars a year, right? So obviously you picked up that thriftiness from your parents, lah. Yeah. Right? So that's one of your money values, right? Yeah. Uh, being thrifty, uh, being very prudent, uh, and obviously you are a lot better off right now. You're much better off than your parents, definitely. Yes. Uh, people who read your blog will know that you became financially independent at the age of thirty eight. 38, 38, 38, 39. Right? Yeah, see, I do read. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so you have enough money, but you're still very, very thrifty mm. today. Yeah. So would you say that these things, uh, somehow it's not that you just picked up from them, but because of circumstances in life, you became who you are today? Yeah, it's some of these, some of these habits or, or I, I would say pivotal experience when you're young, right? Mm you don't shake off of them so so easy like right now like i don't have to buy all these secondhand things mm. like we we know there's a lot of shop house over here sometimes i do want still wander into the back alleys right mm. to see what what is the nice things things mm. behind mm. don't have to do that but yeah. but but it's just a it's just a muscle thing and mm. muscle memory yeah it's, it's a muscle mm. memory so so i think one of the key things that rub off a lot is that the idea that you don't want to go back to that situation anymore. Yeah. Okay, it's not that bad of a situation. So, so even in in my planning, right, it's like like the 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 model that I use, right, they tend mm. to lean more closer to the more conservative, mm. and even even more so than than what we use in Providence itself. Yeah, yeah. Did your parents at that time knew that you were financially independent? Did you tell them? No, they didn't know. Didn't Why know. didn't you tell them? They would be very proud and very happy. For people that that generation, right. They don't understand so much these kind of things. Are you sure 38 years old you cannot you don't need to work already? Uh? 
your parents probably think you are crazy. Um, yeah, they, 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 they probably think so. Yeah, because they never understand. I mean, our parents, they are so poor. They, can never, they may never be able to understand why at 38, 40 years old, one, they don't need to work. Uh, and then you tell them that your money is coming from uh, dividends, they will, they will be thinking that you are gambling. Yes. They, they prefer you to tell them that you have a good job, right? But mm. yet at the same time, you have good work-life balance. Okay. Fast forward, right? I mean, mm. all these things that you have picked up, you have learned... You have seen how your family suffered through really poverty and then still survived. Yeah. Uh, are you more confident about the way you manage your money today? I think so. I'd like to believe so. I think my readers as well, because like if, if I spent like 18 years doing this kind of thing and I'm uh. still not confident, right? Then what chances do they have to be confident? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I, I do meet clients, right? Mm. Whom... Uh, because of their past experiences, mm. um, I mean, today they are better off, but they have gone through experiences like what you have shared. Yeah. They don't actually know how to spend money. Yeah. Right? They don't know how to enjoy life anymore. Yeah. They are so afraid of spending money. So whilst you say that you are confident in the way you manage your money, mm. okay, and that confidence comes from your investment knowledge and you've been doing a good job by your own investment portfolio and yeah. all that, right? But are you confident to, and will you spend money on yourself? I think you all know the answer. La, because you all see, see, see how I spend. And it's a, it's a typical struggle that uh, a lot of people similar to myself have. Yeah. You, you, have to, you have to venture out step by step yeah. so that you become comfortable with it. You have to sometimes, some of these things, tell yourself, hey, don't think so much. Just... Yeah. Just... Just spend. Uh, and, yeah. and I think the, the opposite is also true. Someone that is like always spending money yeah. and then you want them to, to, to turn around. It's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. This one is also tough because like, like what's the point of saving so much money? When, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you obviously have a withdrawal rate that you draw out every mm. uh, month or every year to yeah. spend. I suspect uh, even the amount that you know you can spend, you don't spend that amount. You spend below that amount. No, actually, I spend more than that. You spend more than your job. Oh, I, that's good news. I, I spend more than that. So, so recently, recent, recent or, or it has always been like that. In in a sense, sense like I go, don't constrain my spending like, like if you if if you're wondering what's what goes on in my head, right? A lot of time is is like actually like thinking whether this item whether it's worth it or not. Like mm. like if let's say I go 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 out with you guys or or my colleagues, right? Celebrate those kind of things, right? Mm. It's like. It's definitely not worth it, uh, the, the, the amount value, but, but you spending time, 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 time with people you want to spend, spend your life, life mm. with, right? then, then, then you just okay. spend it. Uh. I wouldn't say that it's always been like that because when I was like, building up my wealth, you have to like, make sac sacrifices. Uh. Right, Some right. of these, these things, you will, inside your head, you will say, okay, don't choose those that is like the more expensive ones or, mm. or don't go for all those kind of events. Last time you do put a constraint on that. Now, nowadays, mm. not so much. La. So yeah. I picked up something you said, which is quite uh, important, I guess, because you said something like when you spend on those things, mm. maybe food, the mm. amount of money you pay for the food may not be worth it. Mm. Like, you know, uh, I cook, right? And mm. so now if I want to order a plate of vegetable and they charge me like eight to 10 bucks, they're like thinking, oh, eight to 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> I can cook this thing uh, in like 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, I yeah, probably yeah. spend less than three bucks. Yeah. Right. So like, it's a lot 
of difference and it's really not worth it to yeah. spend the money on that kind of food. It's not value for money. But you said that you still spend it because mm. what you value is the time that you can spend eating out with the people that uh, matters to you. La. So you yeah. put value um, into people mm. rather than the food. La, that mm. Yeah. So, so it's a conscious evaluation about what is valuable, what, what is important to you. La. But it's also sometimes you have to be careful not to lie to yourself. Like sometimes mm. it's like you're over-justifying some of these things. Like, mm. like uh, is it that you're trying to force yourself to be thrifty again? Mm. Or is it you, you shouldn't self-rationalize so, so much? Uh? Yeah, so you are thrifty, but you're not stingy. So what do you tell people? I mean, how would you... Maybe it's good that you tell... Because you know, a lot of us, right, when we read your blogs and we see the person that you are, right, mm. we probably think like, wow, give he doesn't spend money at all, mm. right? But you have just shared something which I thought is important for the listeners. So would you tell people whom they are like you, you know, mm. uh, they are very, very thrifty. They are very unwilling to spend. Maybe because of similar life circumstances, life was tough and they are very unwilling to spend. They are, they are spent and they are saving and saving and saving. What would you tell these people? My structural brain will explain this, this way. Like, if you really feel that like you have enough money already, mm. like really enough already, right? Mm. Then you should consciously like learn to actually spend, mm. okay? But the challenge is always like, technically how much is actually enough. So for a lot of people, I think they are, they are of the same mindset. If you know that your money right, cannot spend finish, right? Mm. Most likely people would, they would still, they will start to slowly learn to spend already. Mm. But for a lot of people, they, they don't know how to figure out how much is enough. To them, it's always like not enough. Or throughout their working careers, right, for about well, 15, 20, 20, 25 years, right, mm. they have been in accumulation mode. Yep. So it's very habitual already. Mm. So this is the part where you can see the value of someone that is sophisticated mm. in this area to help mm. them figure out, okay, mm. it's like, your money cannot finish one. Mm. Okay. So so it's important to 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 know know that and to understand why the planner mm. or or the or your friends say 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 like that. So so once you are able to connect with it already, right, then then you know that like like life is not about just about saving money. Mm. Yeah. Thanks for the plug. I mean that's someone who is able to help is obviously us. <laughs> I mean that's what we do yeah, for our clients. You right? can you know, when they, that, when they come that, when they come, you know. What we want to do is really give them that clarity, mm. la, you mm. know, that whether they have enough and how much yeah. uh, they can spend. Yeah. Right. I know you don't want to say exactly who, but it's us. Okay, because a lot of times, I mean, one of the things I have agreed with Keith when he joined us is Keith, you don't have to write good things about Provident on your blog. I don't mm. expect you to do advertisement uh, mm. for us because that's your blog. And uh, I always said that you have your independent view. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll, I'll use this opportunity to say that, yeah, that's us. You mm. know, <laughs> we help our clients to have financial clarity. Now, tell us, I mean, the Keith that has written so many blog posts since 2005 and seemingly know everything about finance and now is working with Provident. Mm. Uh, have you made uh, poor money decisions? Oh, definitely so. Okay, share with us some of them. A, there is the poor ones. If you're investing long enough, managing your own portfolios, right? You definitely have uh, poor investments. I don't have so much poor investments, but I have a lot of investments that like 
like you miss out. Like say for example, like one stock you buy called AEM went up hundred percent. So you earn twenty thousand dollars, right? Seems nice, but fundamentally there is justification why why I will mistrust a company uh, based on the fundamentals that it can continue. Mm. So eventually this one continue to climb long. So I could have made four hundred thousand from from mm. just one stock. Yeah, so yeah. I just want to clarify that you mm. you said that you don't have a lot of poor investments, meaning to say that for those investments that you have put money into, mm. most of them turn out okay. Yeah. But your poor money decisions comes from missing out good investment opportunities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Any other kind of uh, poor money decisions like you should have spent on things that uh, you have spent and you regretted those decisions, any of those things like that? I think most of these, whether most of these uh, mistakes, right? Mm. Eventually, if you learn something from it, right? I think, I think that's the most important thing. That's definitely so. Uh, like, mm. like, like I venture, of course, into the crypto space. Like I made money, but I also lost money. Mm. So net net, how was that? Net net, I think it's about zero. zero I, think, I think I made 70,000. At Zero some means point. a break even. Uh. Break even that's not I too think. bad. That's not too bad, la, but yeah. but inside your head is 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 always that as a learned person you always think, think you you judge yourself based on the decisions that you make, the quality of your decisions. Mm, and some of these, right, is not what you right. you 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 were expecting. And when you felt that some of these decisions you can prevent, right, mm. then you you feel the pain of it. La. Mm. Yeah, so in, in making these decisions, right? Mm. I mean, do you even have an advisor to speak to? Someone you trust to speak to? Not really. To help really. you make those decisions. So you're a DIY guy. You yeah. don't speak to anyone yeah. Yeah. at all. But most now that most bloggers are like that. Most bloggers are like that. Yeah, but now that you have a provident, you have colleagues, right? Yes. Do you bounce off those uh, thoughts and those decisions uh, with the people whom you trust in the firm? Yeah. This is one aspect about working in provident that I really enjoy. Like, like last time, some of these things you discuss with your colleagues, your my 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 ex colleagues, they they give me a certain like pers- uh, perspective about it. Now it's different because most of them they understand these kind of things. So 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 it's a it's a different it's a richer perspective about it. Yeah. So I mean, for a very experienced blogger like you, and you've been there, you have gone out there, you know what the industry is like. Mm. You write about it, mm. uh, so it's good actually to hear from you. Uh, what would you consider to be good advice? I think good advice is a make sure that like there there needs to be a certain level of sophistication. It's like mm-hmm. like like if you compare where you are, like like your level where where you are, and the advice that you're you're, you're taking, right, it should be like at least one level higher. Or a few few levels higher, mm. um, so that's where you can you can value add to to your problems or things that you're struggling with, and the second aspect is it has to be like personal enough. Mm. It's like it's like it has to be tailored to your own situations. Someone can give you general advice, but it it's not as strong as 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 if it's if it's more personal. Mm. If let's say today you need advice, mm. would you pay for it? I'm saying you need lah because. Obviously, you have been doing a lot of DIY stuff uh, on your own. Yeah. Right? But now you need good advice. Would you pay for it? We're talking about financial advice, right? 
uh, generally, yeah, wealth advice. Wealth advice. It, uh. it doesn't have to be investments. It has to be. It can be other things. I know you. You just paid for, and you wrote about it anyway, right? Mm. You paid a lawyer to do the yeah. probate. Yeah. And even though you could have uh, trudged along and do it on your own, you decided, okay, la, forget it. I'll just pay the lawyer yeah. to do it, right? Yeah. So obviously you will pay la, for advice. Yeah. yeah. I think I did discuss this with some of our colleagues, uh, like especially for people like ourselves that is like, in terms of investments, we're more we're, we're sophisticated. We probably understand like like investments more more than other people. And do we really need advice or not? Mm. I think I think the, the some of the conclusions that we get is that we need need it in other areas. Uh, there's an assortment of things outside of investments, right? That 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 we one one day we 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 will need them mm. and. Not just this portion, but also the investment portion. A lot of us don't want to keep doing this. We also cannot keep doing this. Like Some stage, like when you're old, right? When you're 60, 70, you probably don't want to do all these things on your own. Yeah. This is something that I think a lot of people underestimate because like for for a large part, I've been a DIY investor, which means that like I'm a, a portfolio manager and a financial planner added together. Mm-hmm. So as a portfolio manager, there's a lot of investments things that you need to think about mm. in order to actually like create a, a, a sound portfolio so that you will grow over time that's a job and people underplay the degree of effort that is actually required mm. so at a certain point i think i think i also pivoted because like i used to be known more for as a dividend investor that's right yeah so uh as a dividend investor what what what, what you do is like you curate let's say a universe of opportunity sets, right? Mm. You try to filter uh, those stocks that give dividends that fits a certain profile that is able to give sustainable dividends. And then, uh, then you buy, buy them, you hope to concentrate on them so that, so, so that to make your efforts worth it, right? And then there's an on, ongoing effort to, to, to keep curating, to see whether, to make sure that they, Nothing, nothing bad happens to them. The company won't go bankrupt. It will continue to pay you the dividends. Yeah, that yeah. to make sure that the dividends are, are, are sustainable. And it's a lot of work. It's a, it's, it's a lot of work. And, and I think a lot of people like underplay that because mm. a lot of people, what they do is that for us, we build up our knowledge over the years. Mm. And then sometimes we tell, tell, tell people who wants to embark on this path, hey, yeah, you can DIY, you can pick out on these things. But mm but they didn't realize that they do all these things right over the years. They learn all this over the years. It's not an overnight thing. It's not overnight things. Mm. So in a certain sense, there is a bit of overselling there. So at a certain point, then I realized that hey, like, I really don't like to maintain an opportunity set on an ongoing basis. But what was the problem? Tiring? No time? Tiring? Like work in Providence is not like, like not always signal. Mm. So... So that's, Senang, that's, by the way, means easy. Yeah. yeah sorry, sorry. <laughs> that's our Singapore. That's yeah. our Singapore lingo. I think it's Malay. Yeah, yeah. So it's not always easy, and you don't have the the luxury of. I don't have the luxury, but it's also like one of the big things is that like people don't talk about right is that there is a lot of inside some of our chat personal chats with some of my investing friends. There is a lot of parts when whenever. Whenever let's say let's say this stock goes down, right? Mm. It's either an opportunity to buy more, or that 
something bad is happening. Okay. And it's most often not always very clear cut. So mm. there's a lot of this kind of discussion, like, 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 which is it, mm. which is it. And, and this is the part where, uh, what people teaching you outside, they, they don't tell you about it. And it can be very vexing, right? When you don't have the time and then you still need to think about all these things. And especially if I wish to run, let's say a concentrated dividend, uh, portfolio, which means that the, these positions can be quite large, right? Mm. Then all of these things, it affects your judgment. So I decided at a certain point, right? That is, that is taking risk. That is, that is effort. Like I don't want that piece of effort. Yeah. Like if I, I know that in order to get the returns, you need to take risks. You need to have a portfolio of different kinds of risks, mm. but I don't want to, 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 to manage the risk at that level. I want to move, move one level high, high, higher, which requires less effort and, and other people can, 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 can do it for me. Mm. Yeah, so I think a lot of people, they may not understand that. Mm. Yeah, so they read your blog, you know, they see you doing uh, all those things that uh, you have been doing. And they don't realize that it takes a lot of uh, hard work and time to actually to be able to do it yourself. Mm. I mean, even for, for you who have been doing this for almost two decades, right? Yeah. Um, at some point, you realize that you want to simplify life. Yeah. So tell us a bit more. I mean, how has that changed? Right? You mentioned that now there's a change. Mm. Uh, how has that changed from a pure dividend investor curating a portfolio of securities to give you that income. How has that changed? That, that transition you mean? So at one point, I think I really like sold off all my dividend stocks and then I moved to, to, to exchange traded funds. Okay. Um, UCIS exchange traded funds are listed on the London Stock Exchange. Right? So these are Irish domicile, right? They yeah. are more as estate tax friend estate tax tax friendly yeah, generally uh, tax friendly generally tax ta tax friendly mm. it also gives you a peace of mind uh, like, mm. like you don't have to worry hey, if you if you drop date to, to today right whether whether your your ass will actually like be able to be heavily taxed on, on on this or not so but it's a transition because like usually you look at each of these individual stocks right their fluctuation is quite quite large uh. now you look at ETF it's like it's very small. Mm. <laughs> so, so there are these kind of nuances that you take time to actually get used to. But I think, I think it's better. Like, I you really... buy the dividend paying ETFs or no? No, no, okay. I don't. So most of the, my ETFs are either um, style factor based, like multi-factor okay. ETFs okay. or ETFs that is like US small cap value. Which is quite close to what we do for yes. our clients as well. Yes. So now it's a bit different because your income is not coming from the dividends. Mm. Uh, you are doing withdrawal, you're doing sell down when you need yeah. the, the income. So mm. you buy a basket of uh, ETFs, but you st mm. I, I'm, still, I'm sure you still hold on to some securities, la, individual securities. Very little. Okay. Yeah, very little until I think, I think it's, it's not consi worth considering. So that's a huge change. And how do you feel? I mean, now you've got more time to do other things, I suppose, and enjoy life a bit more. Uh, I like the, the part about not having to worry about the portfolio management part. Mm. Like last time, if you have these kind of US commercial reads that is like have, w wondering about this the, the more, then you'll be wondering inside your head, hey, like, like, like how do you look at this? Is this a systemic risk problem? Mm. And then whether do you need to cut or is this an opportunity? Can they survive? Do you need to put in more? Don't have to think about that anymore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
So, so you can imagine when you're kind of concentrated in, let's say you put 10% of your portfolio inside this. And if let's say my portfolio size is like about $1 million, right? That's $100,000. Whether, whether you make the right decisions or not, right? It could sometimes impair your portfolio, but it's, of course you can actually ramp it up as well. Lah. So, so it's good to not think about it at that level. Lah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Keith, I want to talk a little bit about your blog. Okay, can. Right, because, uh, I mean, you've been writing the blog since 2005 and mm. along the way, I mean, you have, in a way, shaped your own philosophy. Yeah. Not just in terms of investments, but also in terms of uh, personal financial planning. Yeah. Right? And when you joined Provident a couple of years ago, I'm mm. sure there are some differences. Mm. Yeah, so how do you align with that? You know, on one hand, you have certain convictions, your own belief in a way how things should be done. You write a lot about it and then your readers read about it. And then on the other hand, you come to Providence and here we are uh, preaching a slightly different philosophy. How do, you, how do you cope with that? If I were to be truthful, right, there isn't a lot of misalignment. Okay. okay. Tell like, us more. Like, like, I always believe in, like, if we critically think about some of these things, like, like the audience... The audience, right? Um, some of those those things, if they critically think about it and re- and, and 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 dig deeper inside, right, they will find quite rational um, rational way of actually looking at this personal finance, financial independence, and investment stuff. And that's how I arrived to a lot of these kind of investment and plan, planning philosophy. Mm-hmm. And and you realize that when you come into Providence, right, a lot of these things. T- they they tend to be very very aligned. Mm. So where where it's different is because um, for Provident, right, we're trying to corporatize a lot of these plannings mm. for our clients. Mm. So so most of what we implement for the clients, right, they they have to be well thought out already and can be can be implemented on a more wide wide scale level mm. uh, to all of our clients. So. That cannot always be, be be the case for everything because mm. like we are trying to we we're, we're trying to plan great lives for our clients. Yeah. So I hear you what mm. you are saying mm. is that uh, in general the philosophies are similar. Yeah. It's just that the execution is a bit different because uh, your own philosophy and your way of planning mm. uh, you can do it for yourself as an individual or people out there who reach your blog can probably do it on their own as an individual. Yeah. But when it comes to Provident as a firm or for that matter, any firm out mm. there, there is a need to institutionalize the practice, right? That the advice is the same and therefore it is not easy to carry out things uh, that you can individually do. Now, I know all that sounds mm. very cloudy. So let me give yeah. an example, mm. right? And correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. So in the area of investments, mm. in your earlier days, you create a dividend-paying, dividend-income kind mm. of portfolio. Yeah. And for that, uh, you have to spend time picking the stocks. And then from time to time, you may have to rebalance the stocks. That's right. And it's easier as an individual for you to do that. You yeah. make that decision. You pick those stocks. You buy. And if you cannot buy, uh, the order is not failed. You can wait. Tomorrow I can buy again. Or you can find another stocks to buy again easily. Mm. Yeah. But... Uh, as a company, as an advisory firm like Provident, mm. uh, or again, for that matter, any company, mm. it's going to be quite difficult to do that yes. uh, for, say, a thousand people 
Yes. Right. I mean, you want to buy a stock for a thousand people, and not all the orders are filled. And then now, how you got to queue another day, or you got to find another stock for someone else, and you end up having one thousand people possibly with portfolios of different stocks. And when you want to rebalance the stocks, wow, it's going to be really cumbersome, and you got to mm. monitor now a lot more stocks. Mm. So it becomes very difficult for an advisory firm to carry that out. Yeah. Am I correct to? Yeah, for the investments part, uh, we 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 can say some something like that. Okay. Yeah. How about the wealth advisory part, or wealth planning, or the personal financial planning part? Is there an example you can give that uh, as an individual you can do easy uh, easily, but when it comes to an advisory firm, it is harder to execute on an institutionalized basis. Um, I think, I think because the for for on an individual basis you can be more personalized, uh, meaning to say, like you, you will only need to worry about the de- your own decision tree, like your own, own personal situation. Right. But as a firm, right, we cannot just, just imagine that our clients, right, is of this certain mix. We have to take care of like, some of the clients are, like, I think, trying to be, to retire at 35, 40 years old. Some is like 65 different backgrounds, their financial resources are also different. Mm. The amount of bequests that their their philosophy towards bequests and 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 legacy plannings are different, mm. and 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 so we need to we need to think more about the decision trees when to to actually pass down to our advisors so that mm. they have a clearer picture how to plan for a diverse group of clients. So. So, so say for example, on a personal basis, right? I, I, I know my own situations very well. Like, like in a certain sense, um, one thing that I'm quite big at, right, is that whether you're ready for financial independence or not, a lot of these things right, are driven by your reflection upon your expenses. Like how, how do you categorize your expenses into like two different piles? One, mm. one portions, right? Is, is the more the inflexible ones and, and the other portion to be the more flexible ones. Mm. And, and, and so with, with that in mind, right, like I can actually broken up my portfolios to provide income into two different piles. Mm. So this is not say slightly different from, from, from Provident in a certain sense, like we have a retire well framework. Mm. It definitely can, can adapt to my kind of thinking, mm. but in a certain sense, most of our clients, right, they come from a different kind of background. Most likely they have more resources. Mm. And at the first cut, right, we, we, we look at the expenses as a whole. We don't break it down this way to such a degree. So you can see here there's a difference in implementation right, uh, right. Uh, uh, already. Yeah. So, so in that regard, right, mm. should people just do it themselves because they can be more customized, they know themselves better, is there a value in taking advice? I think there is. Like if if we continue down 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 this road in, in a certain sense, like it took me a while to actually like build up this knowledge that I have over time. I, I like to share 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 with people. Like when I started down this journey about understanding about financial independence, some of my original ideas, right? Today, right, when I look back, right, it looks quite naive. And uh, like, like what, what is my model compared to now? So, so for a lot of people that they DIY, right? 
it might be the case that their initial ideas is also not obsolete. Can say obsolete or 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 that it is just not sound. Right, so right. if certain firms are sophisticated enough or certain financial planners are are, are better than you in, in, in this area, then they can certain point out. Certain firms like us. Can say that, can say that, can say that. I don't want to oversell I the know, polio. I know, I always neutral. <laughs> Even though you work for us, you are always neutral. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah so I, I stopped you say, uh, if certain firms are sophisticated enough, they probably can keep up or the, the models that you, you use at the onset is already complex enough hmm. uh, in solving their need. La. That's what you're trying to say. Yeah. So, I mean, for people who read your blogs, right? I mean, a lot of them, they often aspire to be like you, do it themselves. And so if they ultimately decide that they want to take advice, what would you say? What kind of uh, adjustments do they need to make? You know, because they have been reading uh, not just your stuff, they can be reading other individual bloggers' stuff and then they have a certain idea how to do it. But they are going to an advisory firm. They feel that, oh, okay, I need to give advice, right? I, I, read, I need to take advice, right? What should they prepare themselves? I think my answers will be will be a struggle to 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 some of these audience out out there because mm. if you look at a landscape right now, right, like there's a reason why a lot of us like bloggers are DIY people, mm. and a lot of people that they look up to us, they prefer to DIY in a certain sense. Like some of them, they 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 went to their financial advisors to whether to build wealth or for for, for retirement. They don't get good answers for it. So meaning to say like, if you look at a landscape out there to actually get good advice in this area that is sophisticated enough, yet at the same time, these are people that you trust that has your best interest, right? That there's not a lot. In this sense, there is, there's, a, there, there's a strong reasons to actually DIY mm. and not ask for advice. And for those people who are seeking for advice, I think the first thing to seek is to make sure that these people are really sophisticated enough. Uh, they really know these people what the, the clients themselves. The, the clients need the to make, consumer, say for example, you if you are almost going to retire in maybe six or seven years time, that, and, and you, have, you have to decide whether you, you are the conscientious people mm. to actually dive deep into this mm. or you really don't want to dive deep into this. And if you're the, if you're the latter, right, then you really have to like look out the landscape, right? Who actually does this mm. best? Who has the sophistication for these kind of right. things? Right. Because so, I can tell you outside there, a lot of people have a lot of weird models on, on, on let's say even re retirement planning. Right. Yeah. Right. So if I may sum up, I think what you are really saying is that, uh, I mean, you can read the blogs, you find those really good blogs and you read it. Mm. And the blog is really to guide you in understanding, you know, how things can be done. Mm. But ultimately, you've got to decide whether are you going to do it yourself? Mm. Because not everybody can. Not mm. everybody has the energy. Nobody, not, not everybody likes to do it. Mm. If you decide that you can't and you need to go out and get advice, you can use the knowledge that you have gained from all these readings, whether from books or from blog, like investment modes. And then when you go out there and look for advisors, you are trying to find an advisory firm that is in sync with your beliefs. Right? Yeah. The execution might be different, but yeah. the general philosophy is the same. And if you decide that you're going to outsource this part of your life to an advisor, I guess you have to be prepared to give up some control. Yeah. Right? Because if you are not prepared to give up some control and you want to still hang on to it and do it on your own, you should really do it on your own. 
Mm. Right? But if you decided that there are other things that are more important, I'm prepared to outsource, you got to somehow, there's a trade-off. And that trade-off yeah. is you got to give up some control. Right? Otherwise, firstly, you are paying fees for nothing. Mm. Secondly, where's the accountability, right? Because mm. if you get an advisor and at the same time, you want to meddle with the portfolios, when things go wrong, who really is accountable? Is it your advisor is accountable or you are accountable because you are meddling with it yourself, yeah. right? Yeah. So I think people who wants to uh, find an advisor to do it, uh, after reading all these blogs, this is some mental acceptance that they must have yes. Yes. before they go out and get advice. Yes. Would I be right to say that? Correct to say that. Okay. Thank you very much, Keith, for the time spent uh, with us. Mm. To all of you out there who are listening to this, I hope you have found this to be uh, beneficial. I'm not sure whether this is the first time you have heard Keith on a podcast. But, well, check out his uh, blog, uh, Investment Modes. But also do check out uh, Provident. We have a treasure trove of good articles, not just written uh, by Keith. Sometimes Keith contribute to our treasure trove of articles, but also from the rest of our client advisors. So once again, Thank you so much for listening to us. All analyses, views or opinions from interviews, recommendations and other information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein are provided for general information purposes only. Information expressed does not take into account any specific situation, particular needs or objectives and should not be construed as specific advice or a recommendation. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal or tax professional before taking any action. Provident Limited does not accept any liability for any loss whatsoever arising from any use of the information broadcasted, podcasted or published herein. All contents and information contained herein may not be copied or reproduced in whole or in part by any means without prior written consent of Provident Limited.